0: Listener production. What we do is we live and breathe Keep It Cleaner. Like we, the brand is built on our personal values. it is, we're so passionate about it, and that's really, really important. I think if you follow someone that runs a business and they don't really ever talk about it, mm. it you kind of think, oh, you don't really believe in what you're doing. So why should mm. I buy into it, or why should I be a part of it? So if you follow us on social media, like we, we, we're literally just Keep It Cleaner 24 <laughs> yeah. seven.
2: strap in
1: how did co-founders stephanie miller and laura henshaw go from being models and instagram influencers to running a successful tech company that's the question we're asking the Powerhouse duo who have taken the health and fitness world by storm with their business, Keep It Cleaner. The pair met when they were both at Melbourne Fashion Week castings and they bonded over the shared challenges of working in a high pressured and often demanding world of fashion. They used this as fuel to create a healthy recipe ebook and a community that helped women feel good about their bodies. Since then, they've built the Keep It Cleaner empire, which is focused around their popular Kick app, filled with fitness programs and daily workouts, healthy recipes, a wellness hub, and so much more. It's attracted over 250,000 subscribers to date. And at the centre of their success is that near constant social media presence of the pair themselves. They share their daily workouts, their meals, their musings with their legions of devoted fans. It's the kind of loyalty any business would dream of and we couldn't wait to find out more. You guys met at um, Melbourne Fashion Week Mm -hmm. on the runway. Mm. You guys are both (laughs) models, which, what's that life like?
3: Oh, it's a it's an interesting life. Yeah, yeah. We both started modelling when we finished high school, and we met Melbourne Fashion Week castings. Actually, kind of all the re- the rehearsals and the castings is where we met, and it was an interesting one. It was both our first fashion week, so we'd never experienced that kind of part of the modelling industry yet, and it was an interesting experience. We both, I mean, we were both size eight to ten Australian bodies, but for fashion week that was kind of a little bit on the bigger side, unfortunately. And I remember there was this pair of shorts that I chucked on and (laughs) the lady running the show was basically like, oh, they're not meant to look like that. They're not meant to be that fitted around the body, so we're going to change her, like right in front of me. And I was like, cool, no worries. Not meant to be fitted shorts (laughs) and they fit me, so that's really embarrassing. And then I remember Law's, you know, they they made you walk in front of everyone and Mm. um, really make you practice in front of everyone and would just make comments of other girls in front of you like they weren't people. And that was a really interesting experience. So we constantly just looked at each other like, have you ever done this before? (laughs) Um, Eventually had a conversation about it and we just got along really, really well. We hit it off. Laws and I was kind of one of those friendships where you meet that person Mm. and you feel like you've known them forever. That was kind of like us. And we were in a lot of the same shows. And if anyone's done Melbourne Fashion Week before, you know there's a lot of downtime, a lot of hours spent together. And so we really got to know each other at that point. Like 12 hours. Yeah. So the show's
0: like... Twenty minutes yeah, or yeah. less, and you're there at 10am, and you leave at 10pm. Yeah, yeah, it's mental. And then from there, we just kept catching up as friends,
3: and found that we had a lot of common interests. Um, we then both travelled for modelling. Laws went to Europe, and I went to New York. Continued to have some very interesting experiences in the modelling industry. We both ended up going through a bit of a roller coaster Mm. through our body image issues, you know, problems with our diet or um, exercise, relationship with exercise and everything. And we really connected on that because I think we both kind of saw straight through it. We were the lucky ones, I suppose. We were only kind of consumed by it for a short amount of time before we realized that it wasn't right. Mm. A lot of people obviously get lost in it and, you know, are stuck in that kind of trap for a long time. So we're very lucky. But I think we were really lucky to have each other to speak to and that was kind of how we out of it and knew that it wasn't the right headspace to be in. And mm-hmm. I think through connecting on that and Law's had a food blog at the time while she was traveling, which had some epic healthy recipes on it. Through that and through a community that was speaking to me and wanting to know what I was eating and everything like that, we kind of just were like, oh, maybe we can just put something out there that's some of our favorite recipes yeah. and... That's kind of how the ebook launched as a total hobby, was not a business venture. And that's the beginning of Keep It Cleaner, an <laughs> ebook called
2: Keep It Clean. Do you remember that conversation where you were like, hey, should we kind of like do something
0: together? Yes, we were at Top Paddock, I yeah. think, in, in Richmond. Yep. And w- I remember Steph had said to me, uh, "I well, Steph, it was a dream. She had a dream in the night. <laughs> oh, good, we- yeah, love these uh, dreams yeah. that <laughs> you turn
1: into a reality. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great. So, um, that we we made a, an ebook together. And at the time, ebooks were now I think they're not as trendy as they were back then, mm. but they were kind of like blogs are so really up and coming mm. and like podcasts now, basically. Yeah, really, yeah. really <laughs> yeah. good, really uh, great way to reach people, and people were really looking for them. So." Seth kind of said, What if what if we had this dream? Like, what do you think about it? And I was like, Oh my goodness, Seth! I can't believe people even look at my recipes for free, like let alone want to purchase it. Like, I was also- like, You're giving away every recipe for free. And I do no, you know, how are we gonna fund this ebook? And and what are we gonna put in there? And we're not graphic designers. Do you know anyone? And and all of those questions. And we literally just went on Google and we put together the most basic. It's funny because we at the time it was really just exploring something yeah. that we definitely didn't not think like this is the start of a subscription business and you know we've got this five-year business plan it was absolutely like here's an opportunity let's feel it out Mm. but we still did take it seriously we we drew up a very basic partnership agreement (laughs) we went out to some brands that we'd worked with and tried to get I suppose some money to then be able to use that money to do the ebook so we brought on two sponsors we bought the sponsors on and then we put it out there on a web we sold it actually through Steph's (laughs) StephGlassSmith <laughs> Great. <And laughs> I think of oh, that
1: biggest <laughs> shop. Yeah, Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was your
0: also your portfolio? Yeah, it was also my portfolio. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was you know. <laughs> here are <laughs> my measurements. <laughs> and right. it, was it was very, very A great
2: uh, listening yeah. branding.
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, it was. We were both lucky at the time. We'd grown a little bit of a following, yeah. and you know, yeah. um, I think that's why we thought. I mean, that's why I thought we could definitely <laughs> put a price it. You copy already had on. a website. You already had a <laughs> yeah. website.
0: So we weren't going to go pay for a website because nah. we'd already paid for the e-book. So we were like, okay, let's put it on your website. Yeah. We set up a PayPal account and we launched it. And, you know, the night that we launched it was so funny. <laughs> we were out for dinner and I remember Steph's mum was messaging her being like, um, have you proofread this book? <laughs> and Wendy is, is such a beautiful woman and she like, was so nice yeah. about it. But we were like, oh, goodness. Sonia, anyway, we had to go in and, and I think some of them actually sold before we could fix yep, the, the spelling errors. But anyway, we we fixed it. I mean, once an e-book has gone out to someone, you cannot take the spelling error away. But for anyone that newly purchased, they got a, a the proofreading. Yeah. 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 Revised Pro- yeah. 2.0. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Revised version. That's what yeah. it's
1: about, making mistakes. though. 100%. I mean, Total. And it sounded like you were in that learning kind of mind frame. You wanted to just go out, test it, see what happened, and then mm. you were able to kind of build from there. What was like the next step in your mind after I know I remember the time? Like mm. there was talk about it, mm. there was traction. You obviously sold copies.
3: What was next? Yeah, I mean, more copies sold than we thought would, first of all. Like we Mm. were just blown away by the response and through that you know, once people started making the recipes and posting about the recipes and their posts looked a lot better than our photo shoot did, <laughs> we started to notice that people really liked the recipes and they really liked the kind of angle we were coming from, which was, you know, healthy recipes, but we're not going to put the calories or anything on here because the idea of it is just that it's full of nutritious ingredients and that's all you should worry about for now. And it tastes good. You know, there was so many healthy recipes out there at that time that was full of super organic produce that would have costed hundreds of dollars to make one recipe and you had to go to a health food store. You couldn't find anything in the supermarket. So we just kind of wanted to make it a little bit more basic. And I suppose we didn't really realise until we did that how much that was needed um, mm. in that space. So this community started to form. We wanted to be able to reach out to them and to do more for them. As Laura said, once you've kind of done an ebook, it's it's done. So unless we wanted to create another ebook, which did come up, we thought, what else can we do? And Laura's had her blog, and we thought, well, this could be something. What if we did a blog ongoing and looked into subscription websites and how that works? And so we were like, well, you know, let's just give it a go. People are asking for more. Mm. They were asking for fitness stuff as well, fitness advice, mm. not just food. And so, yeah, we reached out to a couple of our friends who are trainers and kind of got them on board to start sharing workouts each month and, and more recipes. And that's when subscription started for us. And we started the website Keep It Cleaner. We want
2: to dive into community because mm. you guys have been able to build such a fiercely loyal <laughs> community and it's the dream of any brand to be able to do that. And we kind of want to dive deep into how you've done that. Mm. How did you guys approach that?
0: Mm. Well, I mean, it is, it's something that I was thinking about this question this morning and I was trying to put together kind of thoughts that for your audience would be useful for them to take yeah. away, but it's <laughs> one of those things with a community, forming a community is it's it is definitely hard and I think there's a lot of things that come into it. The product and what you're offering is mm. obviously extremely important. It's very hard to build a community based on a water bottle because, you know, that maybe that's not going to really bring people together, but I think for us our product was a program that brought people together mm. and it made women especially feel really good about themselves mm. and feel confidence and feel empowered with their fitness and and it was a safe place for them and so I think because our product was something that made people feel good and they wanted to share it. And I think that's the most amazing thing about community. So much of our growth at kick, has been because someone's loved it and told their friend mm. and then their friend loves it and then they'll tell their other friend and, and it's been amazing. But I think that's what the core of building that community was, was definitely the product offering that brought people 100%. together. And then also for us, I think one thing that Steph and I have always been is super honest and open with them and integrity is number one. I mean, it, it takes years mm. to build a community and it takes a second to lose it. So, yeah. you know, that's so important. And we've always put ourselves out there and kind of it kind of has been, I suppose, subconsciously intentional, but we almost play kind of like a big sister role in and, and as mm. Kick's grown, which has been really awesome, we're starting now to kind of move into the next phase, which obviously we've got Kick Bump on the app, which is really, really mm. exciting. But in the younger stage of the app, we really were there and now we're kind of there as a friend, I suppose, yeah. just to support them. We're not the experts on the program and yep. Yep. At the start, I think that for us was something that we thought was going to limit what we could do. Mm. But it's actually been the best thing in the world mm. because we're not there, you know, telling them what to do, telling the community relate. what to do. We're there complaining next to the trainer being like, really, <laughs> really, <laughs> really? you making do- me do this? <laughs> <laughs> we've got to do this again. Huh? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, we've got all these mm. other experts that are a part of it too. So I think that's been a really big part of it. Mm.
3: Yeah, and I think also for us, we like wanted to be their friend and be there for them. Uh, you know, they were going through through things in their life, whether it was body image issues or a bad relationship with exercise, and we could really relate to them on that. And um, I suppose we wanted it to be the community that we wish we had um, mm. when we were going through those things. And so at the beginning we were incredibly active in the Facebook community and mm. I think that was a really important thing as well that people understood that, you know, when they came onto the app they actually got to connect with us and that we were just a part of that community, you know. We're not some, you know, yeah. hierarchy or trainer or whatever. I'm I'm posting in there being like, oh, my God, this happened to me, <laughs> does this happen
1: That's, to you? It's a really good point you raise because, you know, as you said, you're like, you're not the experts, but you're almost in there being like, I, I'm an equal, I'm one of yeah. you, I'm experiencing the exact same challenges. challenges yeah. What were some of the kind of conversations that you were having or some of the things that you were saying in those earlier kind of years to your audience, be it the Facebook group mm-hmm. or, on, you know, wherever else that you, they were coming and connecting with you. What, were you? what were you talking about? What were some of the questions you may have been asking at that time yeah. to kind of stimulate conversation?
3: Well, first of all, we both became extremely raw and open on our social channels, Um, whether it was through a YouTube video or on Instagram, you know, Laura opening up about her parents' divorce, you know, me opening up about my binge eating issue, those kind of things. That's where we started to be really open with the community and that's when they realised that that's the way they could be as well and it was a really Mm. safe space to kind of be like that. And then through that, we gained a lot of trust with them and, you know, we were able to just talk to them. And we often go to the community, as Laura said. We are the first to, you know, admit when a mistake has happened or if we've had to have a product recall or all that sort of stuff. We are happy to go to the community and admit to that and talk about it. Or if, you know, when we didn't launch the website on time... We were like, sorry, guys, (laughs) tech issues. We're really working through this. And I think they really respond well to that. So we started to pick up on that and just communicate, really open communication Mm. with the community directly um, has always been our best way of getting feedback or just connecting with them in general. I have a
2: question around, I guess, building personal brand and the importance of a founder being a face of a brand. Mm. And we often speak to founders who have been really intentional about building thought leadership in a particular area as part of their kind of broader brand strategy. With you guys, do you have a strategy in terms of what you share, how you share it, or is it kind of just everything in my life?
0: I think it's changed. So I think we definitely, it was not a strategy to begin with, but I think because our personal, and especially Steph's, were built before Mm -hmm. the book started. So we kind of came from that already and I, I think what we did identify was that for us, in, especially in the early years, I mean, it's like it works with anything. If you tell someone, you know, this, is, this drink bottle is going to change your life, <laughs> well, if you've never tried it or lived through that, you're not going to believe the person. But I think with us, for Kik, obviously it's all about building confidence and being healthy but not about how you look. It's mm. not about the transformation and it's not about a quick fix. And we had both, because we both been through personal issues with our bodies and we had really bad food uh, habits with foods and, and all of those things and, and bad exercise habits because we'd been through it and we sat down and said, hey, guys, you know, we've been through this. We created this place yeah. because we don't want you to go through this and yeah. we want to create a safe place. I think that is what really started that connection and that yeah. community. And then I think mm-hmm. from there since the business has grown I think our personal brands have changed a little bit we do have a YouTube channel but we've never been those YouTubers that's sharing you know every single life like arguments with your partner like all those <laughs> things I think no. because that's I mean the most <laughs> successful YouTubers are filming everything, everything that happens in everything. their life it's like yeah. a reality TV yeah. show filmed yeah. on your iPhone or maybe yeah. DSL Probably. or whatever they use yeah. we never got serious <laughs> But, you know, and that's, I think that's where Steph and I have kind of drawn the line. And and as I think we've, the business has grown and also we've, at the start, we didn't have a team. Now we have quite a big team. So I I think we've had to change it a little bit with how Mm. our brand is. And also... Mm we want to be perceived as and we are businesswomen we we boss, run we boss. run a company and so that's really important to us as well and i think that's how our personal brand has definitely developed yeah. over the past few years
3: absolutely i just i, I laugh when you say we're not professional <laughs> youtubers we even <laughs> bought ourselves like dongles and never used them never
0: used them um and often if our
3: team like you know someone from Our marketing team wants us to make a YouTube video. We'll get started and we'll do really well till about 12 o'clock and then we'll completely forget to film the rest and it'll come to the next day when we're due to like kind of edit it together and we're like, we never signed off. We never showed the
0: entire afternoon. We suck at this. So So yeah, some things just don't come naturally. That's why the podcast works well for us. The podcast is a way for your community to get to know you and you Mm. to share things, but it's a better avenue for us to share yeah. as opposed to that. So I suppose we've navigated that and yeah, we're not really <laughs> on YouTube as much anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Soz YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so would you say that then you have kind of like the kick brand strategy and then you also kind of have your own personal brand strategies and you have to find a way for the them to all align? Yeah. Like, do you sit down at the start of the year, midway, whatever it is and go, all right, this is like how ours look. This is how it works.
3: It's not like a one point thing. Laura's mm. and I um, have things that do come up outside of Keeper Cleaner and we just have an open communication mm. with each other on, you know, if 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 there's if a brand, for example, approaches me and they want to work with me and I'm not sure if it aligns with Kik, then I'll talk to Laura about it mm. and vice versa and that's kind of how we have worked that out. But generally, I mean, you know, we're full time with Kik at the moment, so, yeah. so you, yeah, we're not yeah. really picking up too much. And um, the stuff that we do, it, it's it's brands that we've loved and adored for for mm. years and worked with, um, and that do align with Kick, and that's really important to us. So I think it's just about having that open communication. But yeah, unfortunately, it's not just once a year; it's a kind <laughs> it's of ongoing, it's like an ongoing s- conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah I and mean, We
0: definitely have a brand strategy with Kick, but I think with Steph and I, the reason that we work so well together is because our values are yeah. Kik's aligned. values. Yeah. So for that reason, we we don't necessarily need to sit down and have that. You know, this is what we need to do with our personal brands because we're already doing it. They were they were built before. They have obviously evolved, and and we've evolved together, which has been awesome. But because we're, it's all the foundation is a value system that that is all aligned. Yeah, we
3: um we know each other so well as well. We we are different people at the end of the day. We like we absolutely have the same values when it comes to kick, but there's different interests, you know, outside of kick, and we're aware. Of those things yeah. from open communication. So. Yeah.
1: I think that's a similar experience for us. Yeah. I mean, you know, our values are so very aligned. We've been friends for 20 years. Mm. And so, you know, when you have those other things that are going on, it's mm. like being transparent, having those conversations, yeah. Yeah. but also, you know, a lot of those conversations we're having are around business and yeah. startup and entrepreneurship yeah. and all that. So it's like, it's a very easy, it's like an extension. Yeah. You know, mm. I kind of think of it, you've got the business and then you kind of have, you know, the other little things going on, be it a personal brand, but yeah. it's, a, it's a, an extension of really the umbrella. Yeah. I want to go back to community. And I'd love to know, you know, you're speaking about how, you know, they're, they're asking you for more. They're in the DMs. They're wanting more recipes, more workouts, all that kind of good stuff. How do those insights inform the decision-making in your business?
3: directly. (laughs) Can you give us a good example? (laughs) Give us a
1: really good example of when like, you know, you've kind of had this like Mm. people are coming back and asking for the same thing over and over again. You're like, all right, we've got to do something about this.
3: Well, a great example is a recent one being Kick Bump. You know, we Mm -hmm. had a lot of community members who loved following Kick say, I've fallen pregnant, Mm -hmm. Uh, the workout's pregnancy safe. And that came through... Quite often, and we have. Or they've left.
0: I've or or they've left, yeah, I yeah. love kick, but I had Can't to join another it. program because you don't uh, have anything for us.
3: Mm. Um, and so we started thinking about it, and then random timing, I fell pregnant. So we <laughs> really started well, thinking about it. Was really yeah, absolutely, absolutely it not, not. Okay. very strategic. going to get pregnant <laughs> here. Yeah. <laughs> it really wasn't. It really wasn't. But once it did happen, we were like, okay, Make let's sense. really like get this going because I was also super interested, and in the stuff that I, you know, researched online, it, it made me realize why the community was reaching out because. Mm there's so many mixed opinions online about what you can and can't do when you're pregnant or, you know, postpartum. So that was a, a prime example of really listening to the community. But honestly, it's a daily thing. Mm. We, we have, you know, the girls that are looking after the community, if they see something regularly coming in, they'll bring it up with us. You know, if, if they're regularly seeing people in the community talking about how much they love the pasta recipes, then we'll yeah. start to look at putting more pasta recipes in there. You know, the app is for the community. We want them to love it. That that's what it's there for. So we take feedback really seriously, even constructive or bad feedback, we <laughs> yep. take very seriously. And you know, obviously there's a line, you can't give them everything they want. Mm. Tech has a line. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's been something to navigate as well. But you know, especially now we've got our own in-house tech team and um, it's really simple now to just kind of go across the desk and Make say, is this possible? Mm. <laughs> Can
2: we do this for Yeah. We want to dive into that. Can you tell us why did you decide to create the app? What was like the, the decision-making process around doing that?
0: Making it more exciting. I think for us, our goal has always been, and it, it always comes back to the same thing, and it's making a healthy lifestyle easier to access, mm. easier mm. to digest, and to be able to have fun with it. That's what Kik's all about. And so we had a website before we had the app with the program on the website. But I mean, a website is great and we, and we still have our website, but an app makes things easier to mm. use. And it's always with you. It's on the go. You're not mm-hmm. bringing your laptop in your pocket, you, your phone's in your pocket. <laughs> so we just wanted to make Kik more accessible. And that, that's where we thought, you know, the next step for us is, is to have the app. So where did you start? Because I have not built an app before,
1: but I imagine that it is not an easy process. Did you sit down? Did you have the same kind of vision of where you wanted it to go? Like, were you like, okay, it's like the subscription just on the go? Or were you like, you know what? Nah, let's reimagine this entirely. Where did you
0: start? So uh, we started, we already had, we'd had a program for one year and we worked with another company on that program. They run a lot of other fitness programs and they've got a really big staff based, So I think for us, the scariest part about going out on our own, but we didn't have an app with them and it wasn't really a possibility for us. So the scariest thing for us going out on our own was, hang on, you know, there's this huge team running mm. kick yeah, right. and we're going to leave and it's just going to be us. And do we know what we're doing? And I think you have all of those, you know, yeah. those doubts in your head. And so we actually, the way we navigated it was we started working, we worked with another company. So we contracted the app out to them and because we'd already had a program that it was it was doing really well, it was growing, uh, we'd kind of tested, I suppose, our concept and yep. it was working. So it wasn't, it because obviously apps are so expensive, it's such a, a big investment, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we knew that our concept worked. We knew people wanted it and we knew we kind of had, I suppose, visualized a better way to deliver it to oh. them. Mm. And so we started off by contracting the app. And then obviously, I know which we'll talk about, we've we've since brought it in house. Mm. But at that time, that was the best thing for us financially to do. Um, and also just where we were at in our careers and what we could take on. Yeah. And that mm. was, I think, the best thing. And then we are fortunate as well.
3: Um, the company that we contracted with was a personal connection of laws. And eventually, I mean, sorry, eventually, initially, she reached out to him to kind of just ask about how much apps cost to build mm. and like mm. who we should maybe work with and the kind of conversation went from there where, where it came to where it was. So obviously acknowledging that not everyone knows someone who works yeah, in, sure. in tech like that, mm. but um, we, were, we were lucky to kind of have that advice and they instilled a lot of confidence in us as well to kind of bite the bullet and do it. <laughs> um,
2: I was just going to ask, how much does an app cost to build? Well, <laughs> it really depends. It
0: really depends. Yeah, it can really go from the tens of thousands to I've heard of develop. The thing with app development is that you build an app and this is what we're speaking to a lot of developers Mm. and and when you contract manufacturer, we didn't have this. We had more of a partnership Mm. with our app partner, which was Playside, which they were really, really great. But if you go to an agency, get an app built, Mm. it might cost $100,000. But then you have to update it every mm. month. And yeah. every time there's a bug, someone has to fix it. And so the biggest, I think, issue that a lot of companies face with mm. apps is that mm. they save this money or they, they get this investment to build an app and it's only enough to build the app. Mm. But the ongoing costs are really high. Mm. Yeah, mm. exactly. And, and obviously we're at Kicknow we've, we've got a full tech team, which is fantastic. But even though we're not always bringing out features, Mm. it doesn't mean they're always working. So there's always on app development, there's always stuff that you continually need to be doing. So I think that's where sometimes the... When people say, sometimes we'll, we'll get DMs saying, you know, yep. I really want, I've got this idea, I want to build this app. I'm like, okay, amazing. But it's not just about saving that initial amount. It's it's an ongoing thing. And it yeah. com- mm. completely depends
3: on the scope of the app as well. Mm. Like Keeper Cleaner has, you know, so much content on there, but also so many different features. And yeah. So, it, you know, it's very expensive to build something like that. If it's, you know, a more um, blog based kind of app or something, mm, sure. obviously it would cost completely different. So it really depends.
1: And you said that you initially partnered, uh, partnered with someone to create the app mm. and then you ha- had to transition from the subscription over to the app originally. So like I'm seeing like a lot of moving parts yeah. and transitions and yeah. going from kind of one team to another team to yeah. another. Yeah. Was it that difficult contractually? Like were yes. you bound somewhere? Yes. Like what was that process like? Because yeah. I can imagine that takes time.
0: Yes. Yes, it does. I, absolutely. I mean, it was we, with all contracts, yeah. I've kind of not even specifically about this, you know, you you have to obviously you have to be very careful in what yeah. you sign and you can never get out of it. But I think there are often ways that, and especially as women in business, I think we often mm-hmm. get taken advantage of and you get this amazing opportunity put forward to you and you kind of say, oh my God, yes, like let me sign. Yeah. I'm not even going to read it. Like, and obviously that is not way to operate. And I think we've learnt mm-hmm. the amount of contracts that that we've signed that we've looked back on and thought, oh, goodness me, what, what why didn't we get that checked? And, and I think yeah. also legal expenses are to get a good law, lo- especially if you're going into business or you're signing a contract with a bigger company, they'll have a huge legal budget and you're mm-hmm. a small business because legal fees can, you know, to negotiate a contract can be 20 to, to 30 grand and, and sometimes more. And for a small business, you're kind of like, oh yeah. my goodness, that is just how how could how could we afford that? Yeah, but I'll just I think, get
3: my I'll just get my uncle who's <laughs>
0: kind of done business before to read over <laughs> it, <laughs> you know. Like, and that, that is exactly. Yeah. But so many, I think, so many, especially women yeah. in business, do yeah, that, and totally it, is, it it ends up you you shoot yourself in the foot because then, then you, you exactly. And then to undo a contract yep. is twenty times more expensive than it would have been to yeah do it properly in mm. the first place. So and I think that's what we've learned for sure.
3: The funny thing is, is everything that we've looked back on that might not have gone to plan, we had a gut feeling from the start that there was something not quite right. Mm. As in like It was definitely really exciting and we wanted to do it, but there was something inside us that did question it. But we were like, nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> so we've kind of learned to trust our gut a little bit more as well.
0: And speak up. I think, especially yeah. as women, we don't want to say we don't want to be difficult yeah. in the contract mm. negotiation because we should be so grateful for mm. the opportunity mm. to even have it in front of us. <laughs> and I think, which is, it sounds so silly, but it's, it's actually oh, how, so and I've so many conversations that we didn't want to. Oh, we, we didn't want to be difficult. We yeah. just wanted to be easy. We want people to be like, oh, those girls are so easy to work with. Like now, we're like, we don't care if, you if you you someone thinks so easy table to work with. The we care exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we care. You can that, say it also. You know. Okay. Great. Yeah. Cool. We care that we've done the best. Thing for our business. And that's, yeah. I think sometimes that's something that we've learned yeah. the hard way a few times, but yeah. you need to speak up and it's okay too. When did that mental
2: shift happen for
0: you? Cause
2: mm-hmm. it is hard. And uh. like, you do go into those conversations being like,
3: oh, we're a small Thank fry you. and thanks and like, great.
2: And mm, it's not quite right. But you know, yeah. How did, when did that mental shift happen for you guys?
3: Absolutely gradual. I mean, we have that mental shift now, but we still go into meetings and question ourselves and like think before we speak and so it is a gradual thing that I think you just eventually get better at. But I think after going off on our own and launching Keep It Cleaner, the app, that was a huge learning and working with a team over those the last couple of years, we've definitely grown a lot as businesswomen and been a lot more sure of ourselves. More recently, which is nice. <laughs> it's a nice name. feeling. <laughs> it is nice when you get to that place. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I deserve to be in this room. I yeah. deserve to be
1: having these conversations. Mm. I've worked hard for them. Yeah. I'm not taking a hand out mm. and I shouldn't be sitting here going, I'm so grateful you're listening to me when you know, it's a two way conversation like mm, you're both yeah. equally there in the room having that conversation and you should be able to protect you know mm. your ip your assets as equally
3: as they absolutely are able to as well and i'm sure you guys have found this mm. handy as well but i think when you're a duo it really helps i think any time totally. that one of us is doubting ourselves the other one's there to be like now nah, we've got this
0: <laughs> um yeah, <'cause> that's hugely <laughs> so, helpful
3: yeah we, we've called it the the
1: shark
0: like, oh yes, that's, so and it's yes. like
1: the other day, like I mean, and it's probably the more the nicer one of the duo, right? I mean, you know, I mean, You're look, still we're both. Really nice. I'm really nice, yeah. Everyone listening, um, <laughs> but you were like, I'm, I'm going to be a bit more of a shark in this. It was a particular scenario, yeah. and yeah. Like, it was great because you can go into those conversations being like, "Oh, this is such a great opportunity. I'm so grateful," mm. and then you got to check yourself. And I'd, I'm kind of like, "All right, like let's bring the shark out." And it's yeah. become that kind of you just say the word, and we know that we need to be a little bit more, yeah, not aggressive, but. Just assertive, assertive and yeah, stand yeah, totally. up for what we know no. is right. Yeah, good. Yeah, so that's a little,
0: a little um, word. It sucks that you have to have that yeah. mindset. Yeah, that, that you kind of you're already working. Because a him. shark is something that eats people really, you <laughs> know.
3: <laughs> like, is it? Tell me more. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're going like to cut this entire <laughs> segment out there. <laughs> <laughs> a
0: shark is a scary, you know, thing. It and is. I, and I, that's one thing that I struggle with a lot as a woman in business. Mm. With it's that, up, when yeah. you p- go into that zone of being more assertive, being more confident, asking more questions... I, I, hate sometimes I'll leave those meetings and think, God, I was not myself in that second mm. half of the meeting. However, I had to be like that to get what we needed. Otherwise, yeah. you know, we wouldn't be, have got the outcome that we mm, wanted exactly. and we wouldn't have protected our business. But I, I hope that there's, we get to a point in business because I don't think men feel the same way no, they don't. when they're having those conversations. Like they're not thinking, oh, I have to become a shark right now. They're oh, just they're being just, themselves. They're yeah. just being confident, you know. Yeah. The charismatic, all those things, but we—I think—I think as women, we have to switch, and it's—I hope that soon we—we don't feel like we have to, to. and it's just like, no, no, this is just us, and we're just standing up for what we deserve, and
3: And we're just doing business, we're doing good business, totally. Yeah, I think to a certain extent, it's—it's about us continuing wanting to prove ourselves to other people. I think, like, I'm a little bit different. I don't really care too much about what people think about me. And I'm the the opposite, (laughs) Um, and so I feel like I'm a little bit more confident to be a little bit more forward and blunt um, especially in a room full of men that yeah. I know don't respect me already why I try and make them respect me I like I just couldn't care less but I think often when you're in a room that you really want to impress them mm. you are worried about being that more assertive person because you feel like that's going to make them dislike you but if you've, if you've got to do it to, as you said laws to get the outcome that you want you've got to feel comfortable to do it and to just hope that those people understand and, and respect you for it
2: Yeah, I was just thinking of a recent partnership negotiation that we were going through and you know, we went in quite hard. And I'm really proud of us for doing that because it commanded their respect. Yeah. Yeah. It exactly. did. Yeah. If we had gone in soft, we would have they would have walked yeah, all over yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It walked
1: all over you. Yeah. And that's the thing, we're not saying that you can't be um respectful. No. Like, it's still a respectful <laughs> yeah, interaction constantly. and conversation. But you do have to go in knowing exactly what you want to get out and of what it on the other worst, side and yeah, what you're yeah, worth. Yeah, yeah. And mm. you're often worth more than what you think. Mm. Yeah. Oh, God, we could talk about this for <laughs> a long, long time. Okay, back to the app.
2: <laughs> sorry,
1: sorry, everyone. We, we, a uh, little, little cheeky loop around there. Oh, you guys, so you launched in 2018 with the app and you grew like crazy, 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 crazy amounts. I mean, I've read 250,000 subscribers in those. Like, is that the right over over, 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 over the, the whole yeah, time, the whole lifetime. The lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Talk to us about your customer acquisition strategy. Where have you gone and found all these people that want to buy and use, because I know they use as well, which mm. we'll talk about in a minute, because buying's one thing, using is yeah. another. Where did you go and find all these great women?
0: Well, okay. So we started with the community. I think that's what we were talking about before with word of mouth. I think that's yeah. been a huge acquisition strategy for us, which kind of, I suppose, existed The OG. That is the OG. (laughs) OG, And we kind of of had that community almost before we launched the app and we had to really start thinking about it. So Mm. that's always been so helpful for us. The other thing is Steph and myself are still a huge part of the acquisition. Mm. I I think for us what we've learned is there's been a lot of fitness programs. I mean, obviously, Mm. as you would know, it's extremely competitive and Mm. a lot of them will come and go. But we launched into the market at a great time. So it wasn't, especially in Australia, extremely competitive at At the time time, we launched but what we do is we live and breathe Keep It Cleaner. Like we, the brand is built on our personal values. It is, we're so passionate about it, and that's really, really important. I think if you follow someone that runs a business and they don't really ever talk about it, mm. if you kind of think, oh, you don't really believe in what you're doing. So why should mm. I buy into it, or why should I be a part mm. of it? So. You know, it, and it is sometimes, you know, it's like mm-hmm. uh, if you follow us on social media, like we're, we, we're literally just keeping it clean and 24 <laughs> yeah. seven and you know, every now and then you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I need two weeks of just like not being on social media, but you know, that, that's a big part of it. And then from there, obviously yeah, so we do uh, pay digital as well. Um, and then events, we've just brought on an event uh, manager, which has been really, really exciting for us. The, well, we were meant to do it last year, but we did a kick tour in, would it have been 2019. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we missed 2020 yeah. and that was fantastic just to see people coming together and I think, especially in Australia, when people see lots of people doing something and liking it, they're like, oh, that must be good, I'm yeah, going to try it now. Exactly right. So that's that's a really, really big part of it uh, and then also we, we do use influence as well and, and we do influencer marketing, which we found has been really successful for us too. We also um, collaborate with other brands as well. Yeah.
3: You know, we love supporting other brands, especially when they're Australian or owned by women, tick, tick, even better. But um, no, we we love working with other brands and kind of like-minded brands that are, you know, on the same page or might have a similar community to ours. That's another
0: way we do it as well. Yep.
2: Outside of um, having an amazing product, is there anything tactical that you've done to get people talking about Kick?
0: I don't think, like, we've never done, like, a guerrilla camp. Is yeah. that what it's called? Like, yeah. we've never yeah. gone to universities and done, done put yeah. pictures around. Yeah. Like, yeah. we don't yeah. have any cool stories yeah. like that. I think it, it's honestly been that when it's the impact, I think the biggest power of kick is the impact that it has on people and how they feel. Yeah. And when, so, uh, it's it's so special and we're just, uh, we've got a few, um, I suppose, really special moments that have stayed with us for such a long time. But mm. one I think of is um, we did a retreat in Bali oh, yes, and um, there was a beautiful <laughs> mum and daughter on there. And, and the mum said to us, you know, you have, you saved my daughter's life. Mm-hmm. Like you, you just, the, you got her out of bed and it was just the most beautiful, beautiful thing to hear. And I think once someone has experienced what Kit mm. can do, and of course yeah. it's not going to change everyone's life and it depends where you're at, but we've, sure. we have, we're so proud of what we've built that we're able to do that. And I think if a brand impacts you in that way and makes such a and also with living a healthy lifestyle if you go from you know maybe not having the healthiest of habits to then start moving a little bit and eating a little bit better you feel so good and yeah. you want to tell everyone mm. yeah and i think that for us is it's the impact that kick has that then means that they want to go and tell you know i've found mm. this app and it's not telling me to lose weight and people actually laugh in the videos and you know i actually like it and mm. i don't feel like it's you know you know control cuz i think so often especially with fitness we think that we need to go from 0 to 100. Yeah, Kick definitely is not really 0 trailing. to 100. No. It's kind of where it fits into your life. That's mm. amazing.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like it's an, it's an inside job and what i love about you guys is you make it accessible and you make it easy. Mm. And i think that was definitely one thing that i read you um, had spoken about making things even easier for people last mm. year when you did the app update. Mm you know, I mean, obviously 2020, very challenging year for everyone. And you kind of went through this entire um, Mm rebrand, refresh, Mm -hmm. you relaunched the app, you Mm -hmm. did all those crazy things, but you wanted to make it easier for people. Yeah.
3: Can you tell us a bit about that process? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, going back to your question earlier on, you know, connecting with the community and getting feedback from them, the whole rebrand of the app came from a bunch of feedback we'd continuously got from the community. Mm. You know, one of those was I love, you know, working out with you guys, but sometimes I just want to listen to my own music and just follow a workout with a timer. So that's where we got the breakdown in our um, planner. We've got breakdown workouts, which are exactly that. You know, you'll have an example of, say, me or Laura doing squats and it'll say squats and it'll give you a little cue and um, it'll have a timer and then they can play, connect to Spotify or Apple Music and, you know, play their own music. Things like that that we put into the app was, again, to make it easier, to make it the product that, they were wanting. Mm. Um, And then, you know, getting more trainers on so that there was more variety and, you know, different vibes because everyone loves Danny and we love Danny. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's nice to spice it up and to have like someone different for something different and getting, you know, a more variety of training types as well. And it was really exciting for us that whole relaunch. And yeah, it was really incredible timing with COVID obviously, um, but that was not in our plans, you know, COVID yeah, wasn't in was. our plans. Mm, we yeah. were planning to rebrand and to get all that People in the app. said,
0: "Wow, you
3: it's really pivoted quickly." Oh no, this has <laughs> been That's going like, for a this long, long. time. Like well, <laughs> <no>? yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but what we did pivot with was, you know, having live workouts and everything like that. It was really important to us to not only connect with our community, mm. you know, paid subscribers, but our outside community as well, and to have something there for them to follow. Because COVID was really tough on everyone, for sure. Mm. And you know, being able to stay in some sort of routine with
2: yeah, With health and fitness true.
3: is something that got a lot of people through. So, 100%. Mm.
2: We want to talk about bringing teams in-house, specifically mm. tech, cause I know that's something that's happened fairly recently, which is exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to do that and why you decided to do that now?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for us, HIPAA Cleaner is a tech company mm. and we didn't have a tech team and we didn't have our own code. So that's a huge issue. Mm. Yeah. And so it came at a time where the option for it to kind of, the conversations to start happening came up and, and we started them and I I think it was, it's been crazy because obviously there was a huge, from the time that, it, from when we decided we were going to take it in-house to then handover building our own and, team. Yeah, yeah, so finding someone, you know, to lead the tech team and then for them to build out the team and then to start the handover with the um, mm. contractor that was about a six to nine month process, mm-hmm. so that's taken a lot of time, and I, and I think it's we've had to remind ourselves that you know we haven't been able to do the usual things we would do in the background like on the feature. tech side, yeah, exactly right. But what we've we need to look back on and realize is like, hang on, we now have our own tech team, which are just they're fantastic, mm-hmm. and and we we own our code, and and now we are a tech business that has a tech team, and that's mm-hmm. really really important. That's so cool. it was kind of something that it needed to happen, um, and yeah, I suppose yeah. we. And I mean, because we were contracting
3: out, the team that we were working with, we're working on other projects as well. So yeah. they weren't, you know, all in for mm, Kik. Right. And it's really important that our team is just as passionate about the brand as we are. As much as that's a huge ask, we're really lucky that we do have a team that, mm. you know, live and breathe Kick. And it's really cool to be able to have the tech team there all the time to reach out to. And it's definitely been the right move for sure.
2: imagine it would have been a fairly expensive process. I mean, tech yes. people yes. <laughs> are very expensive. They, Can you command. talk us through, I guess... The investment and the decision mm. to kind of spend the money doing that versus something else.
0: Mm-hmm. It really was a no brainer. I think it just mm. came back to the fact that we were a tech company without a tech team. And yeah. it was, hang on, how <laughs> do we need to navigate this? And this is an investment that we need to make mm-hmm. yep. to be able to grow. It literally, like, while obviously there was all the financial conversations in the background, that was kind of the, the biggest, way, that was yeah. the biggest thing. And we just kept coming back to the same thing, you know, why do we want to do this? Because it's what mm, we need we to, to do it. grow. <laughs> And that's kind of how we worked it out. It was it was an expensive process, but I think it's an investment into the business mm. that there's not one yeah. second of regret yeah. for doing that.
2: No. Did you have to make any trade-offs deciding to do that versus something else? Uh,
0: it was more trade-offs with time. Yeah. It took yeah. a lot of time, uh, especially out of obviously contract. Contract negotiations can be mm-hmm. uh, extremely emotionally mm-hmm. exhausting. Yes. you just And it's really <laughs> yeah. hard to then focus on the business. So I yeah. think it took a lot of Steph and my time away from the business. Yeah. Um, and then also it, some of our team's time and, and then it was more the time commitment that was yeah. the mm-hmm. big thing and obviously then financial as well. But Steph and I, I think we have very similar money values with the business. So we, we are positive positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've, we are cash positive and so we've never, mm-hmm. we weren't in a position where it was kind of like, will we be able to pay our team Right. That You know, next month, if we do mm. this, we planned out, we know how much money the business needs mm-hmm. just a, as a flat line to keep going. And we made sure that we've got X amount of months so that when we're, we're never feeling that, I suppose, desperation. I think when you first start a business, it's kind of good to feel like that in some ways mm. because then you have to keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when you get yeah. to, you know, where we are now, we're a team of 15. It's really important that we, we're really across the financials. We've got that cash flow. We've thought about it and, and it worked in with that. And it was a, an investment that, that yeah, we really wanted to make.
1: Mm. And are they all employees or have you given away equity in exchange as well? Employees. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good on you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: amazing. I love it. <laughs> what are your values when it comes to money? And what's your philosophy in terms mm. of investing in the business versus, I think it was back from Ultraviolet, he's like, stash
3: the cash. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> <laughs> so what are you, what's your approach? I mean, it's evolved over time. If we go back like personally, before Kick Even started, we, we both worked from the moment we could, you yep. know, 14, nine months or whatever that yep. was. Yep. Um, and, you know, we were both in families where we, we worked for our own pocket money. If we wanted to go out and spend money or buy a new dress, it had to be from the money we made at our job. And mm-hmm. so we started to learn the value of money pretty early. And so I think going into business together, we, we had that in mind. We also both kind of, felt extremely fortunate for things like, you know, the modeling industry, the kind of money you can make through that, that blew our socks off. So we were just big savings bunnings and like just kept it in our account and like didn't want to touch it. And that was that was our way of, um, I suppose, starting. And I think we did something similar when we launched Kick. Um, when we launched the ebook, we didn't take any money out, and we we left it in all there to to kind of begin and to start with. And we did that over the first couple of years because we, we were very fortunate. We were making money outside of Kick. Yep. You know, a lot of yeah. people who yeah. launch a business, obviously, that might be the one thing that they've got to jump in mm. and and do and understand. You've obviously got to take some money out um, if to it's live. your full time yeah. thing for sure. So we were really fortunate that we could keep it in the business, and lucky that yeah, we we're both in that similar position. And now I think it, it's still kind of that same mindset. Like we just want the business to continue to grow. We want to continue to reach more people and to help more people. And we know that money comes <laughs> is very important yeah. in, in that kind of goal. So we just kind of keep talking together and keeping that open communication about what we need outside of Kik, but also what we both think that um, we need in the business. And we're just really
0: lucky that we've always been aligned on what that is, mm. what that looks like, and I think it's been an amazing superpower for us. In we we haven't had any funding because mm. we've just continued yeah. funding it back into the business. Mm. And we've both come from a place where money is not in abundance. You can't just go and get it if something goes wrong. You know, my experience growing up with money was more of a like quite, I suppose a really bad relationship, and then it was kind of scarce and uh, you know it might yeah. run out, and it's scary because like especially it puts so much stress on a family. And and for me personally, because I came from that, mm. and and kind of I mean Steph, you. Money was not in like hugely in abundance growing up. You had a really normal... No,
3: but I mean I, I there was certain things that I was really fortunate with. My parents yeah. bought me my first car, for example, like absolutely um acknowledge that. But as I said, you know, if I wanted to buy a dress, if I wanted to go to the movies, all that sort of stuff. That you was, paid your way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. And and I think it I mean for me, like when I wanted to get my car, I had to defer uni because I couldn't mm. I couldn't manage to, obviously you when you're at uni, it's you know, it takes a lot of time and totally. you get fifteen hours a week mm. of part time work is not gonna enable you to get a not safe car. car It's gonna yeah. go yeah. so <laughs> <a laughs> go, you can probably car. get yeah. one. Not a $500 yeah, car that's yeah, going yeah. you know, <laughs> to break down. And so I, I rem- that was a big lesson for me because, you know, I, I had to defer uni and sacrifice something that, mm. you know, finishing my degree to be able to save that money to work. I was waitressing um, at night and working in a hospital during the day. But it was this that lesson that, you know, if you work really hard, the money will come and mm. then... If you invest it back in, and I think for us, our for Stefan, my uh, my personal goals, our goal is the same, and it's to grow kick, and mm. so that is number one always, mm. and that's always, you know, if there's any financial decision, it's like, okay, what do we need to grow kick? Mm. Where is the business? And then mm. all other dis- all other discussions kind of come after, after that. that yeah. and we also we're not huge. We have taken risks in in our business life, but. We, I would say that we're, if you put us on a risk profile, yeah, risk we're probably yep. more low risk. Mediocre. <laughs> okay. Yeah, especially with financials. We really make sure that we, we wouldn't make a decision now, because, as I was saying before, unless we knew that we had the working capital in the business to sustain it for long enough. Mm. We wouldn't just go on the fly and put all the money into something and kind of think we hope for the best. Mm. We will only hope for the best if we've got a full plan for the next year. <laughs> yeah. Sounds
2: like yeah. you've got a very rigorous approach to, to decision making. A lot of yeah. rigour in the business. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: What's the biggest risk that you've taken? would you say?
3: I mean, we've, we've touched on, you know, when we went off on our own, that was a huge mm. risk. Uh, as Laura said, we left a team that was a huge team that were very good at what they did. And yep. as much as we were a part of that, you know, program, there was a lot that we weren't across, which is half the reason we wanted to, to leave and start our own thing, because we wanted to poke our fingers in a few different pies, <laughs> I suppose, of the business. We became more interested in not just being the faces, but you know, work out how the marketing's working and, you know, ideas around content and how that's happening. So that was probably one of the biggest risks we took for sure, particularly, you know, with the contract and everything that that went down, it, it made it scary mm. <laughs> to leave because we really weren't sure what the outcome was going to be. We had no idea what relaunch was going to look like. We had mm. no idea if we were going to get our community back because we lo- we lost everything. We lost all our content our community, our subscribers. We lost all that data. Wow. What? Um, yeah. So... Oh, my, oh my God. God. It was a huge move, but we had confidence in ourselves mm. and we had, you know, loved ones and stuff that mm. instilled confidence in us. So when we left, you know, we had a certain amount of subscribers and then when we launched, we actually got them plus more, which was really right. exciting because, as I said, we had no idea what it was, was going to look like. You know, we could have just had one-tenth of them come back um, and to have them all come back plus maybe some earlier ones as well, was was really cool. And it was really, it was a nice moment because it, it made us realise how connected we really were with our community, I suppose. Mm.
2: So did you lose all of that data because that was we part it? We didn't of, own it. We didn't, we own, didn't it. own it. That
3: mm. must have been, yeah.
2: that is... That's inc- That's incredible. Like that's crazy. But this happens. This
0: happens more often yeah. than I think yeah. we realize in this conversation. Yeah, we didn't own it because we were not, and that was okay because yeah. we were we were the mm. faces of that business. Yeah. We mm. were the talent, and they had an, yeah. an amazing, well-oiled machine that they put the program yeah. together. So I think that, and that's where the risk came in for us because we went from we could have sustained that mm-hmm. and we would have it would have been we would have been really comfortable and yeah. Yeah. wouldn't have stressed us out we didn't have to make financial decisions really within that business we weren't a part of the executive team we were mm-hmm. kind of we were the face of it and so we made a decision to decide to take on every single risk yeah. you know also to, to potentially to lose that kind of steady income that yeah. we had we had worked out and with them but I, it was, it, you know, as Steph said, we, we believed in what we were doing yeah. and, and we did it. But mm. that, I, for me, that is 100% the biggest risk because we went from financial security to what is going to happen. We could mm. lose everything. That's insane. <laughs> that's a pretty big risk, I would say. <laughs> it's
2: huge. <laughs> but that's so all of your media. data, yeah. your whole, all the work that you've done. Like, yeah. that's
0: crazy. It is. But social media, I think that shows the power of social yeah. media because yeah, I think even, we owned our social media. Yeah. We owned Keep It Cleaner, the brand. And even though we couldn't, we didn't get all the, you know, we didn't have the database and everything, 100%. we could still communicate to our community via social media. And yeah. I think it just shows the power of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And building a strong brand. I mean, they're always mm. going to listen to you guys. They weren't going to listen to the exact team, right? <laughs> like at the end of the day, you know, being the faces and the brains behind the brand.
0: Mm.
1: On the flip side, is there something that you maybe have shied away from that you didn't do? You kind of played it a little bit too safe and, you know, in hindsight, you're like, oh, maybe that could have come off or maybe we should have tried doing
3: that. I mean, there's been random opportunities that have popped up yeah. um, that we've thought about, but I don't think there's any that I think back to now and I'm like, wow, I really wish we did that. You know what I mean? I feel like where we're at now and what we have mm. going now is amazing and it's something we're both incredibly proud of and still blown away to think about that, that that's even happening from, you know, a little ebook that we put together. Um mm. <laughs> Like so little
1: engine what's the book the little engine that the could The little yeah. engine that yeah. could like a
3: yeah. little ebook
0: that could Yeah. So I don't think there's any regrets of missed I'd say opportunities. Underestimating. I think that's the biggest thing that we've seen over the years. We have to remind ourselves that what Kik has grown to is beyond our wildest dreams. Yeah. We never thought and even if we we didn't do a business plan when we first started, mm. we have one now, but back then even if we did one, it wouldn't have encapsulated anywhere (laughs) that we are now because I don't think we believe that you know people would Mm. love it as much as they do and you know that's been amazing but I think that's been because we've grown so quickly and so fast I think we've kind of as we were kind of talking about at the start opportunities have come to us and I think we have underestimated our value in that opportunity when we could have had put more value on ourselves and negotiated better. I would say that's the biggest thing that I look back on mm. for us and, you know, it would be the contracts that they weren't yeah, done yeah, properly. For sure. mm. yeah.
2: What's been the hardest thing about growing so quickly? I remember, I think it was Carolyn from Carmen's Muesli who said mm. to us, you know, my philosophy is aiming for 20% growth year on year because anything, I think it was 20%, anything more than that, it just becomes an absolute, you know, shit show to manage basically. What's been the hardest thing about growing super, super fast
0: I would say probably the team because when I say that, we love our team and they're absolutely fantastic. (laughs) They're not difficult. (laughs) But but we went from having, you know, a team of five to now 15 and I think it's just, you know, for us to manage that team, it's just it's a lot of work. And I think it does take a lot of time out of the the growth of the business because obviously that's our role in the business as well is to make sure that, yes, you know, it's operating today but it's also going to operate in five years' time and ten years' time. And so I think that's probably been the hardest thing. I think with us, we're quite, the best thing about a subscription tech business is that when when we grow subscribers, we're not a product business. So it doesn't mean that we have to then have, you know, more product to send mm-hmm. out in the warehouse and more team members to, you know, put it together and wrap it up and buy more postage parcels. When we grow subscribers, the impact on the business, we don't feel it that, oh goodness, we need more staff mm-hmm. now. It's more that the more that we've grown and I think where we are now in the market, we just need to continue to innovate, which is where, you know, we need more, more members in our tech team and our, sure. marketing team, our marketing team and everything. And obviously it just takes a lot of team members to, to be mm. able to execute the things that we want to be doing. But we are, one thing about our growth that we are, I think that has been fantastic about being a tech business is that you don't really feel it that much mm. when you grow. Obviously the, there's, there are things that you do feel, but less in a product business. Mm. Yeah. Do
2: you, Feel like you, as you grow your subscribers and your brand and so forth, you need to continuously pump out new content. Like what's the appetite from your users for new content, new Mm. workouts, new recipes?
1: And is there like a drop-off? Like do Mm. they get bored? Like Mm. how long does it take for them to want new things?
0: Yeah, I mean for us and for any fitness app, retention is so important Mm. because if you get, you know, all these people on, first of all, you have to get them to, because we have a seven-day free trial. So if they don't like the app or if they don't use it, And the thing that that we've kind of identified is the more they use it, the more likely they are to Mm, to stay on because they've experienced it and they can see the value. So, you know, you have to think about how can you get people to really utilize that Mm. free trial. And then once they're in, I mean, again, it's fitness and health. One thing in fitness and health that we all feel is we get bored of things. Mm. So we know we can't just expect that people will stay Mm. on. And obviously one of our subscriptions is month to month. So every single month people have a choice to cancel or not. Mm -hmm. And so we have to make sure that there's a reason for them to stay and they see the value. So that's I'd say out of obviously acquisition is extremely important, but it's retention is just or even more so important 100%. because we have to keep the people on 100%. Can you give us like can we go into this? Can yeah. dive into
1: retention? <laughs> like what are some of the things that you've learned recently? Like as you said you you obviously You've got an
0: opt out, opt out at the month, each monthly cycle. So you have to go in and cancel in a subscription, yep. but you, yep. you get notified that you've, you know, your month has. So what are you, over. what
1: are you offering them at that stage? What, what's working? Mm. What are you doing? I want to learn all the things.
0: <laughs> new content. It's all about the new yeah. content. It
1: How is. do you deliver it to them? Like, are you through the app? Are you doing notifications? Do you have email? Like everything. Talk me through it.
3: Everything. We have EDMs that go out regularly. Um, might have you know a new recipe. Um. It might feature a new recipe or even a new podcast or something that's happening in the community or an event that's happening. So EDMs are really regular. Our Instagram, super regular and um, active. And we share everything on the app there. You know, it's not just about the fitness. We share the recipes, meditation, our experts, our community members to, I suppose, as Laura said, you know, make sure that when someone signs up, they're not missing anything. They're not Mm -hmm. signing up and thinking like, they might just see the planner and think that that's that's all because they haven't navigated through the rest of the app. We want to make sure that they realise that there is so much on there give it a go and, you know, see if it's for you. And then... Encouraging them to join the Facebook
0: community. That's that's the biggest retention When people join the Facebook... So we've got 42,000 members in in there at the moment when people unsubscribe, yeah. that you have to be a subscriber to get in there. But then once, if you've cancelled, obviously we do not go and kick you out. No. Just go find Take them. Forever and- Absolutely yeah. not. No. But what we'll find is some people will stay and then they'll see that, you know, there's heaps of people posting about this new recipe that's so delicious and on this new workout that they loved. And they're like, oh, I want to go back and, and do that. And I think as well as we start to grow more, I mean, especially in Australia, mm-hmm. there's only so many people in our target audience that we mm-hmm. can. So it'll be very much about our growth strategy is very much about getting those people back in as yeah. well and showing mm-hmm. them that there's a value. But I think we, we really do, and, and every campaign as well, we don't just do a campaign every six months and then the rest of it kind of leave it. You know, if we're not doing, if we are doing a campaign, we'll do through social, we'll do influencer marketing with yeah. it. We'll speak about it on the podcast we'll do an event and we kind of, we try and get the most out of that as we can. And then we're not just sitting like, okay, we're going to wait six months to our next campaign. We've then got smaller things. Like for example, our f- we haven't been able to do as much tech because mm-hmm. we've been doing the handover with the tech team. So we're focusing on really enhancing the experience with content, which mm. we can do and we have done. So just mm-hmm. making sure there's always, there's a reason for people to come back. and I, And I think it also, obviously there's the business goals, but it's also the goals that we just want people to stay engaged with with feeling good about themselves yeah. and feeling healthy, and mm. especially in winter, we've we've just done it. Well, we're in a winter challenge mm. at the moment, and it's all about just staying motivated, um, and having a reason, you know, to come into the app and and do the workout. Which I think for people in winter, we kind of need it. Like yes. Yes. Yeah, we totally. lose motivation, yep. and especially kind of last year and this year. With COVID, it's been so hard on people and, and as T- Steph touched on before, routine and moving mm. is something that can make you feel so much better. Yeah. So the more people we can, you know, keep coming back into the app, the better. And it's, um, I mean, we're fortunate
3: that as our team's grown, you know, we might not be considered as a startup anymore, but um, we still have that culture. So mm-hmm. we can still be super nimble and, you know, if something new is happening in the tech space, we can mm-hmm. jump on that. And it's all of those other ways as well of just keeping the app super fresh so that people stay interested. How many
2: people do you have dedicated to content in your team?
0: <laughs> six. Yeah, I think so. About six people? Wow.
3: Wow.
1: It's a lot of content. Touched I there. mean, it's a lot that's of content. A, in different, <laughs> yeah. you know, in, yeah, in different totally.
0: things. The yeah.
3: crossover between marketing community, and marketing content. community, marketing, and content. Yeah. yeah. So how tailored is the
1: content for each individual customer that you have? Because I think that's an important retention strategy mm-hmm. to be able to provide things that they obviously want and need. Mm-hmm. What's your approach?
0: So what we have, and this is something that we've grown with over the time. When we first started with the program, it was not really that tailored. Now we've been able to add more content in and more programs, which has been really exciting. So we started, we've got, when you sign up, you get to choose um, your meal plan. There Mm -hmm. are quite a few options we've got. Vegetarian, vegan, vegetarian. What else is I, that? think I think that's, that's important. The <laughs> meal plan. So your meal plan is is tailored to you know what you're strong eating habits or lean, are.
3: So basically, ah. if someone wants to put on muscle, or if they want to maintain their fitness,
0: yes, exactly. So that that will be tailored in your meal plan, and then also you when you sign up, you choose between Kickstart and KickFit. So there are two different programs. One is a more beginner, entry level. You know, you you've just starting your fitness journey, or maybe you haven't been to the gym for a while, and you just want to get back into it. And mm. it's really about learning that technique. And I think that's something that we find a lot with kick is that we find a lot of women who might've gone to a gym and felt really intimidated because they didn't know what to do. Yeah. Cause you know, you, you, go into a gym and you're like, there's so much equipment and you do not want to do with it. And, and they've kind of learned the technique on kick through, through the trainers. And that's kind of what you learn in kickstart and workouts that they enjoy. And then from there you move on to the kick program.
3: Yeah, and then right. we've
0: also got all of the, the master classes in there as well. So we've got nine different trainers and then we've also got the wellness hub. So There's quite a lot of yeah. content in there and it just depends on what people mm. want to do because some people want to do four hit classes a week and then someone else might want to yeah. do two yogas and yeah. whatever they want to do, we've, the, we've got the, content for them. The variety. And it's also
3: like, yes, whilst you might sign up and choose that meal plan or um, Kickstart or Kickfit, you can also change back. Evolve. And mm, yeah. if you're in Kickstart, you know, it doesn't mean that the Kickfit which is the more intermediate sessions in the master classes aren't available to you. They will mm. be there if you, if you want to follow them as well mm. and vice versa. So just about having as much variety in there for everyone as possible. So good. Love it.
2: So one of the biggest things that any business owner faces is just doubt, doubt mm-hmm. in decision-making, doubt that you can do it, doubt in your confidence, all that sort of stuff. What kind of doubts are you currently having around your business?
3: No. <laughs> That's hard. I mean, for me, I'm I'm in a bit of a um, I'm like half on mat leave yeah. <laughs> with, with baby Harvey. So I think I'm not, I don't really have doubts, but I'm questioning. I suppose it's a better word what my role is going to look like in the yeah. future. That's something I'm working through. Where we're obviously being really open and talking about that together, mm. trying to work out because I've obviously never had a baby before. Yeah. I don't really know what to expect. <laughs> yeah. or, um, and you know, I think anyone that has run a business and had a baby will will realize the challenge in that because kick was my first baby and yeah. I'm still just as passionate as I was before Harvey came into the world so it's just about working out how I'm going to balance that time and yeah what my role might be mm. if it's going to change at all or anything like that that's kind of where I'm at
0: mm. and, and I would say as a business we're probably in the best and it's really amazing like I'm mm. so proud that we're able to say this like last year and the year before more last year we had a really a lot of hard doubt. year behind mm. the scenes, and. Yeah. and Right now, I can say that we have, I do not have one doubt about where Kik's going. Like, we are so clear on our vision and our team. We've got an incredible team who's so capable and they're working towards everything that we need them to be. And I never have been able to see where we're going as clear as I can now. So it's it's actually amazing to say that because I think if you had us on this podcast last year, I would not have answered the question the the same way. And I think, um,
3: you know, you're not giving yourself credit there, Laws, (laughs) because... I think personally you've had so much development in your confidence. You know, we both, yeah, as Laura touched on, had a hard year last year behind the scenes and really went through a lot of doubt and I think lost a lot of confidence in yeah. running the business and and those kind of aspects. And the way, like when I've been able to step back and kind of see Laura take the reins on it and the way that she's managing everything is so incredible and it makes me so proud to have her as mm. a business partner. Oh, yeah. And I wouldn't cry. This is really embarrassing. Oh. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> it's just the hormones. <laughs> um, no, but it's it's been really awesome to see. Um, and I'm you know from a friendship point of view,
0: <laughs> I can't believe no, you're both crying
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm really proud because um, I know the struggles that she went through last year and even earlier this year. Like I I know the kind of personal struggles she went through and she kind of lost her spark a little bit, and that's what makes her so special. So it's been amazing <laughs> to see it come back and she's really friggin' killing it at the moment. So yeah, it makes me really proud. <laughs> it's nice. Well, so nice lovely. Well, you were all about Thank like, you. oh, well, Kik's got a really great vision. And I'm like, no, give yourself credit. Well, um, I mean, both of you give yourself credit. Like yeah. this is
2: what you I guys mean, have created. Yeah, like huge. this is down to you. You should be so friggin'
1: proud. And I mean, you know, it sounds like there were personal <laughs> challenges. Obviously, you know, COVID was in there. You've yeah. had a child. That's a huge life shift. Like taking on a tech team, like, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> let's just like stop and take a breath because yeah. that's a lot of stuff happening in a very short space of time. Mm. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. What's um, one, one kind of pearl of, of wisdom and nugget um, that you want to leave with listeners that are trying to start a business. Mm-hmm. They have a business. Maybe they're feeling a little bit like they've kind of lost their little spark at, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. What would you say to them? What have you learned?
3: Oh, I mean, this piece of advice really depends on where you're at in your journey. But mm. I think if you're just about to start or you're questioning whether or not you should take that leap, have a have a think about how passionate you are about what it is you're going to do mm. um, and the reasons why you're doing it. I think a lot of people jump into business because they think they might make more money or, you know, those kind of reasons. I would advise not to make the jump if they're they're the kind of reasons you're jumping. I think you need to be really passionate about what you do and it needs to be a big part of who you are because it's hard. It's really hard and you have Mm. some huge hurdles. And if you're not passionate about it, you're going to stop at those hurdles and likely give up or not really care the outcome. When you're really passionate about it, you know, we've had some roadblocks and Mm. we just work through them and we pick ourselves back up and
0: we learn and we move on because we're super passionate about the end goal. So I think that's really important. I couldn't agree more. I think especially in what we do, and as I said, we've seen so many fitness programs come and go, mm. and I think the commitment that we need to give to keep it cleaner and, you know, that we personally need to give and then obviously the team as well, it's a lot, you know, we're not switching off. Mm. On the, at night, you know, we're at the office all day and then we'll go home we'll do recipe content and then, you know, we might be on a holiday, but it's like, oh, hang on, I could shoot really good workout content here to showcase using the app on a holiday. So mm-hmm. it's, it's never a moment mm. of like, okay, let's go on a four week holiday and just, it's not, you (laughs) never switch off and and same with the weekend. But I think it's because we love what we do so much. It's okay. It's just easy. So yeah, I think that's, that's awesome advice. And I would, I would say chat to as many people around you Mm. as you Mm. can. I think that's something that I have learned in the past, you know, six months is that there are a lot of people around you that are willing to help you. Mm. You just need need to ask. Mm. And I think You just feel a bit uncomfortable asking for people's time Mm. and and for their advice and if they want to talk to you. But I think a lot of the time there are a lot of people in your network that you might not even realise actually have a lot of, you know, valuable insight for you. Mm. And they want to, ha- I think even like if people contact us, like we feel so honoured, like, oh, my God, you trust mm. our business advice? Yeah. Like, sure. We it's will an honour, isn't it? friends yeah. reach out, it's yeah. like the
3: biggest compliment or yeah. pat yeah. in the back
0: ever. It's yeah. amazing.
3: Yeah,
1: people do want to help. We they yeah. want to give We've back. generally found that, you for know, sure. asking, you just have to just have to ask because people do want to help. People want to provide The worst thing that's going to happen is that's they're going to no, say, sorry, no, I don't have time, yeah. and then you're back to where okay. you were. Exactly. Totally. Great piece
2: of advice. Final question. We always love to give our guests the opportunity to do a bit of a shout-out to another woman that's helped them on their journey. Try would, not to pick each other. And don't pick each other. <laughs> Far out. No, can't do that. Someone that. Else, someone else. Show that. Um, who would you pick? Someone that's really shaped the kick journey or your personal journeys?
0: I think right now someone, um, mm. we're working with this incredible woman mm. and her name is Gabrielle mm. and she, as, as a consultant, and sh- the impact that she has had absolutely on mm. us personally, our personal development and then also on our business has just been Absolutely paramount and I feel so lucky that the way that we came into contact with her was we, we, we were looking but we weren't, it was just, it was like everything aligned yeah. and, yeah, we're very, very, I mean, that definitely at this time right now. I'm <laughs> yeah, very oh, grateful no, for, her for her. Shout out to God. God. I, um,
3: I would agree completely and I think, you know, it came at a great time as we've touched on. We were a, a bit lost at the start mm. of the year or the end of last year and we were questioning ourselves a lot and I think she's instilled a lot of confidence in us both and it's really nice to I think have someone on the outside that you know hasn't been there from the beginning and doesn't know us personally to look into the business and to make us realize we should be so proud and that's like the biggest compliment ever when an outsider can kind of come with that information to you it's the biggest compliment and um that's really helped us for sure so yeah I'd agree (laughs) she was on my mind (laughs) thanks girls Uh, thank you so
1: much
2: that was awesome Wow, there was a lot of stuff that we took from that chat. Firstly, be direct and ask for what you want. Whether you are negotiating with suppliers, dealing with brands, selling your services to others, we often hold back from standing our ground. But if there's one thing that we know about being in business, it's that you have to be brave. State your case in those conversations. What is the worst that can happen? Secondly, the right decision for your business can often be the hardest one to make. Steph and Laura knew that in order to build Kik in the way they wanted to, they had to own their code. And to do that, they had to bring tech in house. In making this decision, they literally had to walk away from customer data that they had worked so damn hard to capture. But they trusted that this was the right call. They trusted their gut and that their loyal community would follow them. And they did. And lastly, find out where your community loves to hang out and create a space for them there. Steph and Laura spent tons of time in the beginning fostering conversation in their Facebook group and they've really intelligently used this as a forum to gather insights from the community and create new offers. A Facebook group might not be quite right for you and your brand but think about where you can have that two-way chat with your customers because it will not only help them buy into you and your brand, it will also help you create new products and services for them. That's it from us today. We have some really exciting news. We are dropping a new range of merchandise. So if you're interested in having a look, head to ladybrains.com.au and check out our range of Lady Brains basics. If you want to follow us on Instagram for all of the behind the scenes action, we're at lady.brains. And of course, you can join our Facebook group, the Lady Brains Clubhouse. Lady Brains is produced by Beth Gibson, audio
1: production by Nicholas Sitch. Listener.